The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout, harass, and entertain. You should start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT, only it's on 24 hours a day, except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You can't handle the truth. You're doing that of your own free will. That's what makes this country great and any gay marriage pointless. That's offensive. So there isn't much you can do about it, Chowderhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe, and your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus Twerkers Ball. I came in like a wrecking Are you ready? Let's get it on. On the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. Welcome to this edition of the Modern Wrong World Made Right. This is Calvin Was Wrong, Volume 2, Episode Number 2. And we are concentrating today on the writings and the translated writings of St. Robert Bellarmine in the collected work, the book called Antichrist. And we'll be joined shortly by our Latin expert, man who translated this work into English for the rest of us to use, Ryan Grant of Mediatrix Press at MediatrixPress.com in just a moment. First, if you have missed any of the prior episodes of The Modern Wrong World Made Right, Calvin Was Wrong, um, <clears throat> the series is becoming very popular and we're going to put it all together in uh, a easily downloadable series of broadcasts because there were 17 and uh, sum them up into as few pieces as is possible. But it is available for download for Founders Past members of the Veritas Radio Network at veritasradionetwork.com forward slash join. And then under the tab, Shows, at the top of any Veritas Radio Network page, you would then find Shows and then Modern Wrong World, and then you'd be looking for Calvin Was Wrong, Volume 1, and then there's Calvin Was Wrong, Volume 2. And this is the second episode, and then again we are covering the Antichrist. And joining us now from, uh, I guess, the usual place, (laughs) a smoke shop in Idaho, is the translator of Antichrist by St. Robert Bellarmine, Ryan Grant. Ryan? Thank you, although I wish it was a smoke shop. It's actually a coffee shop, the 
smoke sh- the, the pipe and cigar shop doesn't open up until about one. Oh, so what is occupado in fumanato? Is that you're occupied smoking or you're busy smoking? Is that what that? That's just my busy message, regardless of what I'm actually doing. <laughs> Translated though, that means I'm busy smoking. Normally, because smoking a pipe has become so inseparable from work, they they just go extremely well together at this point. Boy, howdy! Uh, you know, I'm a big uh, fan of cigars, so. Um, <clears throat> I am too, but I don't have the budget for them, unfortunately. So I'm kind of uh, I, I get them once in a while, but I can't get them every day like I, I would like if I was uh, a little better off. And of course, a lot of my my work is supported by donors, and I have a specific donor that does donate so that I can buy tobaccos. He, he donates specifically for that purpose. So <laughs> that because um, there are some people that would be like, "Hey, I'm not giving you money so that you can go off and go." Go buy cigars with it, you know. Especially as I'm trying to pay bills, so it doesn't look very good. <laughs> well, uh, it all looks good from here, especially the series. Calvin was wrong, and as I said, there's not a day that goes by I do not get a request from someone who is searching for the files or has heard about it and wants in on the the scholarship of Robert Bellarmine, the translation and the scholarship that you put into it, and then the radio presentation. So the series is very popular and remains popular. So let's pick up where we left off. We're in Chapter uh, 3, I believe, of the Antichrist book, and it is shown that the Antichrist is yet to come. But before we move on, just a very brief uh, two- or three-minute-long synopsis of Chapter 1, Antichrist, and uh, Chapter 2, which dealt with he will be a specific man. And again, I just uh, love telling the audience here that for all those who uh, like to call people like Ryan and myself, and Ryan is a Roman Catholic, and like Brother Andre Marie and David Simpson, papist, and think that that's some sort of a knock that we should carry around, and we should be very ashamed of. You know, we respond, of course, that we, uh, even if we disagree with and don't uh, necessarily care for the ramblings of the current Roman pontiff, we do not reject and do not uh, question his authority as head of the church, the one singular church that Christ established. And with that, um, in the work that we're reviewing here, which is the defense of the papacy, uh, which uh, St. Robert Bellarmine was charged at prior to the Council of Trent, uh, what we find, and I'll just repeat it for the audience again and for new listeners, that this work here of Bellarmine's is not a work of theology. It does not address, it touches on some, but it doesn't, it doesn't use them as part of the argument. It does not make theological spiritual, uh, opinion-based uh, arguments. Uh, what it does is, what the work does, is show the actual extant, written, and available history of the questions that were raised by uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Illyricus, and other reformers at the time. And, and Bellarmine just masterfully uses the historical record. So these are great history lessons from antiquity. And from uh, the all, the entire age and the tradition of the Roman Catholic Church. And with that, I'll turn it over to Ryan to begin our discussion of Chapter Three. Okay, um, let's start with, of course, again the review. So the early reformers, the early Protestant uh, reformers, that they one they, they disagreed with each other very bitterly on many points. Uh, Luther and Calvin on um, imputation in the slave will in the, the extent of predestination. They disagreed with each other. And likewise on the Eucharist, Luther disagreed with many of his own as well as 
Calvin. And then in uh, England, they, they had Catholic ceremonies, but Calvinist doctrine and denied the Holy Eucharist. So, but there's one thing that you, and again, we had forgot to add on Anabaptists and others, but there's one thing that unites each and every one of these groups is that they hold the doctrine that the Pope, the Bishop of Rome, is the Antichrist. And they disagree with themselves exactly on various details about it, but they all agree that he's the Antichrist. And so they are in the now protracted battle of the last days, as they saw it in their time. And that's kind of left over from the early 1500s where, you know, everyone was gripped with the end times fever. And they believed Antichrist was coming any time. You know, now people tended to actually feel that way in the 15, early 1500s. So even the later 1500s, that's still kind of hung over to the next generation. So we're there in the last war with Antichrist. And they're going to fight against him. Okay. Right. So the so Bellerman starts then with an examination of the issue. Okay, is <clears throat> so the first one you know is, is listing different opinions and kind of laying out the the order and the disputation of the work, and then he goes into the Greek terms and shows how they you know some refute some of the arguments from the Greek and just shows how they clearly didn't know. You know, they, they, they've gotten this wrong, even based on a Protestant resource, a, a treasury of the Greek language. He's able to show how the things they're advancing were actually wrong. And then he goes to the next chapter, which is the Antichrist will be one specific man. And he takes on all the arguments and the clear testimony of scriptures and the fathers to show that Antichrist is going to be one man, not many in succession or many enduring for a long time. And this will become even clearer when he goes through the the other sections. Right. So it can't be a succession of people that are all the Antichrist, so <clears throat> in, that is popes, or of men, right? Because you got this popular theory that, um, you know, uh, Napoleon was an Antichrist, Hitler was, was the Antichrist, now Antichrist is going to reign in another person, it's going to be even worse, it just get, you know, get these weird things and coming out, of, or, or that Antichrist was Nero Caesar, right, and that he's going to rise again from the dead, and, uh, you know, you find weird stuff all around interpreting the book of the Apocalypse and trying to come up with, you know, who, even though Antichrist isn't mentioned in the Apocalypse, still, uh, he's referred to. Right. And it's a, people are always trying to figure out who he is. So Bellman shows it's going to be one guy. It's not going to be all these different people, although there might be forerunners to him. Just as, you know, Christ had forerunners in the prophets and such, and through various types and patriarchs. But there will be only one man period. And it's pretty much irrefutable by the time he's done <clears throat> with chapter two. So no, it's not. So certain uh, uh, branches of traditional Catholics that just can't take what happened at Vatican II or, and granted, I'm with you, I don't care much for Vatican II either, but there it is. It's a, you know, but the people who reject it and reject the, all the current popes, you know, there's a certain set of Acantus groups that hold that all the popes since Vatican II were also the Antichrist, which is very amusing in many ways. And, um, you know, also very inaccurate. So, anyway, so we've gotten to where Antichrist is just one person, so in chapter 3, it is shown that Antichrist has not come. And actually, this will be the theme for many, for about five or six chapters, okay. where he's going to show that uh, Antichrist could not have come yet, and these are the reasons. Okay, So he says, many false suspicions and errors exist in regard to the third proposition on the time of the coming of the Antichrist, both among Catholics and heretics. And when he, whatever he says heretics, by the way, he means Protestants. And the reason he does is because he's still, confessional lines haven't been drawn yet. 
So the Protestants, the early Protestant reformers, are those who left the church. And many, many of their members have, but they also include people who were raised in Protestant sects and were never quite, uh, never formally in the church yet. But, you know, the definitions and dividing lines of things hadn't really been drawn out and they hadn't dealt with the problems yet. Well, how do we call people who were raised Protestant? So just as a clear, all those denying the Catholic faith, basically, you know, it's all the Protestant sects wherever they are, they're just collectively the heretics in this work throughout, okay. throughout all of the controversies. So anyway... <clears throat> With this distinction, Catholics know that Antichrist is not coming until the end of the world, which is true. But some err in that they think the end of the world is nearer than it really may be. On the other hand, the heretics err in the fact that they think Antichrist is coming long before the end of the world, and that he really already has come. Therefore, we shall speak on each error. Okay, so when he goes in, um, the first, uh, hold on a second. The first error, then, is uh, seen as some of the pre-Nicene fathers, which we'll get to, um, and then certain fathers that thought that Antichrist was coming then. So he adds on that they saw the malice of their times, and they started applying the scriptures. So St. Cyprian had said, since Antichrist threatens, let the soldiers be prepared for battle. And he says in another place, you ought to know as well as believe and hold for a certain fact that the day of persecution of the head has begun, and the end of the world and the time of Antichrist approaches. And Cyprian was just looking at the persecution of the Roman Emperor Decius, and, uh, you know, figuring the end is near. And Jerome says something similar as well as Gregory the Great. And then... Um, you know, Bellarmine adds on certain opinions of other fathers, as that St. Jerome relates. So you have um, a certain Jude in the second century that thought Antichrist was coming and the world was ending. But, you know, as Bellarmine says, he was deceived. Lactantius, who's an early church father, says, Every expectation is no more than 200 years. And there he teaches that Antichrist was coming and the world was going to end 200 years from his time. But he lived in the times of Constantine, around the year 300. <laughs> Uh, therefore, he thought the world would, by chance, end in the year 500, and which experience shows he was deceived. St. Augustine relates the error of, you know, all these other, you know, people in the ancient church that thought for sure it was coming in 100 years, it was coming in 50 years. And so, so he deals with a few other opinions that we can get to, but, the, uh, you know, laying down clearly that, you know, in early times people thought it was going to end, it didn't end. And But look at the various fathers that are very moderated, like St. Augustine, where he said that it could be, but we don't know, so we shouldn't worry about it, more or less. And he said, it is not for us to know the time and the hour which the Father has placed in his power. All right, so now Bellabin moves to the Protestants. What do they say? So first he relates, um, interesting one, the, uh, the new Samosatans, who bide their time in Hungary and Transylvania, he says, they teach in a certain book, which they titled Premonitions of Christ and the Apostles on the Abolition of Christ through Antichrist, that a little after the times of the Apostles, Antichrist appeared. That is certainly when it began to be preached that Christ is the eternal Son of God, as these people were basically proto-Unitarians. They think, on the other hand, that Christ is a pure man and that there is only one person in God, and this faith was preached by Christ and the Apostles. Thus, a little after the death of the Apostles, Antichrist came to Rome. And after abolishing Christ the pure man, introduced another eternal Christ, and made God triune in, in Christ twofold. Right, so this opinion is easily answered, apart from the arguments which we asserted above, against all the heretics, and in two ways. Firstly, because when Antichrist will have come, he will make himself God, 
not someone else, as the Apostle says. Moreover, they themselves claim that the Roman pontiff does not make himself God, but preached Christ had made him and made him a uh, God from a true man. Then they say, soon after Christ and the apostles slept, the true faith was thoroughly extinguished and the whole world began to worship Christ as a God. But Christ preached that the gates of hell were not going to prevail against the church, and the angel Gabriel preached that the kingdom of Christ would be forever. So anyway, so this opinion is kind of absurd, but then you kind of, you kind of hear that today. Right. You know, who do we think that comes to our doors and knocks on our doors and tells us that the true faith and all real religion was lost just just right after Christ practically but then magically restored you know through golden tablets and uh, <laughs> from a god that came down from Kolob or something like that if, if you really challenge the guys to come to your door <laughs> that is uh, Mormons or uh, you know Jehovah's Witnesses Jehovah's likewise Witness, too. the whole right. thing was lost they all got it wrong so god, you know God founds the church and then lets the whole thing just collapse and go to hell. That, that, that's just, that makes a lot of sense, right? It really challenges just to stop and question, can this really be the case? What's interesting about so that, too, Ryan, opinion, is that... The, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what's interesting about that, too, is one of the, uh, the constant refrains that we hear from our Protestant brothers and sisters is, well, if, you, if we're to believe you papists, then how do you answer the charge of what happened to uh, all the saints or the holy people of the Old Testament? Did they just go, you know, according to you, since there was no church, there was no salvation, yada, yada, yada. Actually, that is very much, uh, it's a good question. Uh, it's a silly question because it's provided for, and the answer is simply that Christ told us uh, in the latter part of his, of, of his passion that when, uh, or, or as it was recounted, that the tombs in the city of Jerusalem were all opened, and uh, that uh, he told and he told the the the, uh, the good thief, right, the beggar, the beggar thief, the uh, the good thief on the uh, on the other cross with him that today you will be with me in paradise, um, and that he was going to open the gates of heaven. So obviously, this points to some place, a holding place for the holy, that where they were beforehand. Ryan Grant and I, and that's. <laughs> It's called the limbo of the just. Right, the limbo. That's what the the fathers teach when it says in the creed that he, Christ, descended into hell. And what is meant there is he descended into the limbo of the just. That is where, you know, which was a region of hell where the the, the fathers felt no pain. And it was, you know, outside of where there was any particular punishment. It was like a holding place in, in peace and waiting, as is related in the gospel, in the bosom of Abraham, as it was called. And Christ delivered all of the early fathers, according to the ancient traditions, the pious traditions, starting with Adam and Eve and others, so that they could go, to, you know, to be taken up into heaven. So that's what happened to all the saints of the Old Testament. And, and the thing, and of course, we talked about that last time, too, that I believe, unless I'm mistaken, or no, actually, it was on Brother Andre's program. I was going to say that. We were was talking about Brother the Andre. concept that the Old Testament is a lot of times referred to as a church. And it's largely a confutation of the words, because the same word in Hebrew, kaeth, uh, comes into ekklesia, called out, from, from those being gathered is the Hebrew one. The Greek is those being called out. To be gathered, and so it means assembly. So in, the, in your modern Bibles, we see the word assembly. Older Bibles, including the King James, used to have the word church, right? Because that's what the Greek used in the Old Testament, Septuagint. So the Old Testament is a sense of a church. It's just not a sense of the church in the New Testament. 
And likewise, they say that, you know, there's sacraments in the Old Testament, right, and a good number of them, too, and that these are all forerunners of the seven sacraments established by Christ the Lord when he established the Church. Right. So that's, that's what happened to them before. And uh, you know, then when Christ founded the Church in the new and everlasting covenant, well, how is it new and everlasting? The whole thing's overturned in the second century. <laughs> well, Ryan, you're breaking up here and, and, for, for just a second. And when we get to Calvin, Lutheran, Illyricus, sorry. And he teaches. This is the modern wrong world made right. This is Calvin was wrong. Volume number two, episode number two. We are joined by Ryan Grant, our Latinist, who translated the work of the Antichrist. It's written by St. Robert Bellarmine, the answer to the Protestant reformers of the mid, uh, early and middle part of the 16th century, claiming that the Pope and that the succession of Popes or the bishops of Rome were all Antichrist. Um, if you missed any or part of, of any of these episodes, you can get all of them at the Veritas Radio Network website. Go to VeritasRadioNetwork.com. And if you'd like to join or have streaming download access to all 18 episodes of The Modern Wrong World Made Right, Calvin Was Wrong, Volume 1, and now Volume 2, you'll need a Founder's Pass, and you can sign up by the month or by the day for as little as 23 cents per day. And during the month of July, sign up for a yearly Founder's Pass, and we will give you, send to you free, don't cost nothing, an autographed copy by the editor that's yours truly of Humility of Heart from Padra, uh, uh, Gaetano, Padre Gaetano Maria de Bergamo, the best book ever written on the subject of humility. And there are other bonus fee, uh, awards as well for becoming a founding father and a crusader level at veritasradionetwork.com forward slash join. Go ahead and take our time out and we'll return with the next segment of Calvin Was Wrong, Volume 2. Part of the Modern Wrong World Made Right series, exclusively here on the Crusade Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network, radio the way it should be.